everybody. Welcome back to Looking for the Real God. This is Christy Lynn Wood. Today we're going to talk about more of the stripping season of my life that happened after I got married. This time talking about motherhood dreams and motherhood lost. As I was stepping away from my cultic upbringing in the early 2000s, the Duggar family showed up on TLC. Much to my chagrin, I could not stand it because it was exactly what I had been going through my entire life, and yet here they were presenting it as normal and great and wonderful. And so, but thanks to them, I feel like I can explain my story a lot better these days because all I have to say is, oh yeah, like the Duggars, and everyone's like, oh yeah, yeah, it's great, and they get it. So I grew up in what's now called the quiverful movement, meaning that the people in my surroundings in my cultic organization, in my church, all believed in no birth control and just allowing God to plan your family for you. And basically that meant they just got pregnant all the time, all the time, and had lots of children. My family was the rare exception because we only had three kids in our family. My parents had um, made some choices before they got into the cult, and uh, after my sister was born, they were done. So we had three children, and we drove a minivan instead of having, you know, eight, 10, 12 children and driving a giant 15 passenger van. And so I grew up in this movement where children were considered this blessing and you just never stopped it. It just kept coming and coming and coming and coming. And it was an interesting dynamic because I didn't have that experience in my own family. Like I said, we just had three, but I had a lot of friends who had many, many children in their family. I had a lot of friends who were oldest daughters or second oldest daughters, and they basically were like the second mother. It was their job to take care of all these many children that had happened and um, that existed now. And they helped to school them. They helped to parent them. They helped with everything because it was just too much for one person. Because these mothers are, like I said, they're homeschooling. They're doing all kinds of old fashioned things like making homemade bread and gardening and all this kind of stuff on top of having eight, 10, 12 children. And so I watched this phenomenon growing up. And I mean, I didn't really, it didn't even phase me at first. I just, I loved kids and I thought, oh, this is great. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to get married when I'm 17 and then I'm going to have a bazillion babies. And that was just the mindset that I grew up in. And now as I got older and I started to notice the way my friends felt about their siblings, I mean, many of them really loved their siblings and yet they still felt the sense of jealousy and just a loss of independence as they're just basically being the mom for their mom who I mean some of these moms were literally on the edge of a nervous breakdown like they were not healthy it was not a good scenario and yet this is what they're doing because they feel like it's the right thing to do this is the godly and good thing to do and so at one point in my life I would have told you that I wanted 15 kids that I wanted a ton of kids I just saw myself as this mother of a bazillion children I mean I loved kids I started trying to hold people's babies like shortly after I was a baby myself. I would, There's pictures of me at like three and four holding these babies. I loved babies. I started babysitting as soon as I could. I think I was 10 when I was starting to babysit. And I just, I was a mother's helper to different families in my area. And I loved children. And I just wanted to be a mother. Like it was one of those strong, strong desires that I had. And I just thought it was going to be amazing. I knew I was going to be a great mom. 
And I could not wait to have a million kids myself. Like, I just thought this is the best. This is going to be amazing. And then after I got married later in life, I mean, I was 26 when I got married. So that was basically like an old maid. I mean, there was like eight years there that my ovaries were just like drying up, you know? And so I still planned to have, I don't know, four or five kids, maybe. I had this in my mind that I was going to have all these kids. It was going to be great. But I wanted to wait a little bit. We were at Bible college. And four months after we got married, my husband brought me the neighbor's newborn. And they had three. And they were like, boom, boom, boom. And so she didn't mind if you borrowed her baby occasionally. And he brought her over to me. He's like, look, she's so cute. Like, we should have one. And I was like, no, we've been married for four months. Are you kidding me? Like, no, I'm not getting pregnant yet. And uh, I held him off for another four months. But by the time we were married for eight months, I was pregnant. And we were excited. It was a terrible timing. I mean, we were like poor and in Bible college, but it doesn't matter. Who cares? You know, bring on the babies. And there were babies around us everywhere. All these young married people had their babies at Bible college. And I was excited. I was really excited. I could not wait. It felt like I had been waiting forever to be a mother. And here it was. I was going to be a mother. I was going to have a baby. I was so thrilled. And my husband was like thrilled. That's all he ever wanted to do was be a dad. And so I was about maybe four months along, a little less than that, at our first anniversary. Super excited, starting to feel like I was starting to show. And the appointments were going well and everything was going good. And then at 18 weeks along, I started to have cramping and bleeding and I miscarried. And by the time we went to the hospital to have everything checked over, they did an ultrasound and they said, oh, your baby is starting to absorb back into you. We're going to have to do a DNC. And so I had surgery and then I had nothing. And I think the worst of it was, I mean, how many, there's a lot of worst of it. But I silly, silly me, I had put up the tiny crib that we were going to be using in our spare room. And I had to come back from that hospital with nothing to that crib. And that was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking. And we didn't understand, I mean, like, why would God do this to us? You know, we were still very formulaic, very religious in the way we thought about stuff. And so it was just very much like, why would God do this? Looking for the sin in your life that could have caused this. Just that kind of stuff. And I feel like through this process of this miscarriage, a lot of that got weeded out. We really started to recognize our own just religious hearts. And we learned a lot. We grew in faith. And the doctor said, hey, you know what? It's going to be okay. Just wait. Wait for three months and try again. And this became the pattern of the next few years of my life. I had a miscarriage. And then I waited for a few months. And we got pregnant. But there was always those few months in between there where you're like, oh my goodness, I hope I'm pregnant. Oh, I'm not. Maybe this month I'll be pregnant. Oh, I am. And like, you're excited. And then with our second baby, they knew that I had had um, a uterine abnormality at this point in time. So they were watching closely. We had more ultrasounds. We went to the 13-week ultrasound and looked like he was doing great. He was measuring right on the right size. I could swear he was waving at us. It was so exciting. Four weeks later, we went back and he was dead. It was, it's hard to explain. I mean, just, there was just no words. I mean, I expected that God would answer my prayers this time. I was devastated. Everything was going so well. Like, why? Why? And if you've 
followed my podcast, you know that I shared this story um, earlier in I think season one, just talking about our formulas and our faith and choosing trust. And so in this time of just devastation, where I didn't feel any trust, I didn't feel any hope, I didn't feel any anything, we chose to just trust God anyway. And we named that tiny baby that I delivered on Valentine's Day. We named him Trust. And this was a season for me of just such loss. I mean, loss of the babies, but it was loss of a dream. I wanted to be a mom more than anything. And I was surrounded by babies. I was surrounded by pregnant women at this Bible college. There were so many young couples that were there, and there were so many babies and so many pregnancies. I remember there was a a neighbor of mine, and she had also had a very difficult time getting pregnant. And she'd finally gotten this baby that she wanted. And I went over to visit her one day, and she was just in tears, and she was having just the hardest time. And she was just so just struggling to get him to eat, and she was just tired, and she was so frustrated. And she's like, I can't get him to take a bottle, and he's not gaining weight. And 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 I I told her to go lay down if she wanted to, and then I would just take a chance with him. And she said, okay. She she went away and took a nap for like even just 15 minutes, I think. And I held this tiny baby and I gave him his bottle and he took it from me. And I was like, God, I was made to be a mother. Why won't you give me babies? Like I am a good mother. And I am so gifted with kids and so gifted with babies. Like I've only ever met two babies in my life that didn't like me. What is wrong? And there'd be baby showers at school. And I got to the point where even though I was trusting, even though I was trying, even though I had faith, like I was still broken and it was, I couldn't go to them. I mean, it was just, it was just hard. And about this time, my doctor called me and he said, I think what's actually going on is you have this septate uterus, which is like a wall down the middle of it. He said, but the good news is it's reversible. I mean, they can do surgery and they can take this out. It's only $9,000. You might as well have said it was a million. We didn't have $9,000. We were poor college students. And so it was just this, just this season of loss. Like, okay, well, I can have babies maybe someday, but not right now. And the days go by and the months go by. You just feel just empty. I just felt empty. All I ever wanted was to be a mom. I would go to Walmart nearby. There was a Walmart about 40 minutes. I know, 40 minutes. That was the closest Walmart. We would go to Walmart on Sundays, and there was just so many young mothers in this town. I mean, just like baby mothers. Like they were like teenagers, young teenagers. And I would see them in Walmart with their babies. And I mean, half the time they're young, they're teenagers. They don't really know what they're doing. And there was one time in particular that I drove past, I like walked past this girl with her cart. And I smiled at her baby and her baby reached out her arms to me. (sighs) Talk about crying in the middle of the store. And I said, why God? Why do you give them babies? And you don't give me babies. And it was devastating. And it was so hard. And sometimes we have these seasons in our life where we just don't get what we want. Where our dreams just get crushed and destroyed. And we're left asking why. And if God is good, then why? And I think that is a valid question. I don't believe in this whole, well, just trust, just just have faith. 
God's bigger. God's got this. There's other Christian platitudes that they throw at you. I think we have to wrestle with that. Why? I think we have to wrestle with the, if God is good, then why? I don't have a good answer. But the best as I can understand is that he's doing something that we don't always understand. And he cares about things that we don't always care about. And the things that we care about, he doesn't always care about as much. And that makes him sound like mean and whatever, but it's not. It's just he's got a bigger heart and a bigger view. He sees things differently. And on top of that, we live in this busted, broken world. And so there's these things that happen that should never have happened because of sin, because of our mess that we are living with now, because of our choice to disobey God and and to run from him. And so bodies are broken and the world is broken and circumstances are broken and it doesn't, it doesn't work right. Now, if you've listened to my podcast about trust, then you're going to know that God gave us a happy ending. My grandma, who was not a believer, decided to just give us the money that we needed for my surgery. And so what looked to us like a couple year plan, like we'll save or Maybe you can get a job and get insurance and maybe that'll cover part of it and we'll save. I mean, it looked like a, you know, two to five year plan to have babies happened like so fast, way faster than we expected it to. The day that I got the teaching job that was supposed to get me insurance, eventually my grandma also called and said, hey, I'm paying for your surgery. And so by the time I went to school for the first time that school year, I'd already had my surgery and it just happened that God put us where he put us. Because we were just a few hours north of one of the best reconstructive fertility surgeons in the United States. And so he was able to get me in and get my surgery. And I had surgery and I was supposed to have a dye test to check out and see how much how it worked kind of thing. But by the time the dye test came around, I was pregnant with my daughter, Zoe. And so God answers my prayers and he gives me the desires of my heart. And I think that everything's going to be amazing, right? Because now I'm a mom. This is the funny thing about life, you guys. I, I got what I wanted. And I know there's people out there, maybe even who are listening right now, and maybe you haven't got the baby you wanted. Maybe your infertility is just nothing's ever worked. Maybe you've had miscarriage after miscarriage after miscarriage and you're left saying, why? And I don't want to brush over your pain because I know it hurts. I've been in that place. And yes, I have my happy ending and I have my two children. But I want to talk about how our dreams and our our desires, they never really satisfy because I found out that it's a lot harder to be a mom than I thought it was. Oh, buddy, my babies are 21 months apart and it was not an easy season of life. By the time my son came along, my husband had just started a new job as a youth pastor. We had moved back to the state of Michigan, but I was basically alone. I didn't know anybody in my area. I didn't have connections. There was not really any other young moms at our church. And I struggled. I struggled and I felt guilty for struggling. And I felt guilty for not being content and happy, but being a mom was hard. I was tired and I had to give up so many things that I loved. And I was home all day being a mommy. I mean, doing the same thing over and over and over again every day. And I was alone and I was lonely. And it was not what I imagined it would be. It did not fulfill me like I thought it would. 
But the beautiful thing about God is that he uses everything to draw us to himself. And ultimately, it was my disappointment and disillusionment with motherhood that caused me to rethink my entire view of womanhood. And we're going to talk about that because it was my lack of delight and fulfillment in these babies that God had finally given me that made me stop to think about what is my purpose as a mom and as a wife and as a woman anyway? Is it just to have babies and stay home and take care of the family or is there more to being a woman? And it's amazing how these silly little ideas and fundamentalism just kept sticking with me. Things that I grew up thinking about women, about myself as a woman, my personality, and how many things were just really messed up. And if I hadn't gotten my babies and experienced the disillusionment that that brought, oh, God is so good. He is so good to use everything to draw us to himself. So I just want to speak really quickly as I close to those of you who are feeling the disillusionment and who are feeling the frustration of life. Maybe it is with motherhood. Maybe you are just like, wow, this is not what I chalked it up to be. Like, I am broken right now. There are some wonderful resources. I found a MOPS group shortly after my son was like nine months, I think. And oh my goodness, it made a world of difference to have just other mothers like me out there who are like, I haven't showered either and I'm fine. And you're like, oh goodness, thank you for letting me know I'm not a failure. I mean, so good. There's support. There are groups. Reach out, look for help. It's there. And for those of you who are just stuck in brokenness because your dreams haven't been answered, you are still loved. God sees you. He sees your pain. He loves you in your pain. He's hurting with you in your pain. And there's no good answer. I am not going to give you some pat little Christianese phrase. I don't know why. I don't know why, but know that you are not alone and you have not been left alone. And it's not because God is disappointed in you or angry. There's no formula that you can find to fix it. But there is this beautiful, beautiful thing called lament. I love lament. Lament is the idea of feeling every single one of those broken, broken, hard, hard feelings and bringing them right to the feet of Jesus and saying, Jesus, this is how I feel. And it's hard and it hurts. But you bring it to a God that you believe loves you and has hope. And you're able to walk away with hope, even though the world is busted and even though you don't ever get your dreams. So I just want you to know that I see your pain and I don't have a good answer. But I know that God is good, even in your pain, even in the brokenness. God is good and he loves you. And eternity is coming, guys. Like, we are not going to live in this busted, old, broken, sad world forever. Jesus died so that we can know him now and experience life now. And he's coming back probably real soon. And he's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. And it's going to be amazing. And every single one of our desires and dreams will be fulfilled. It's going to happen. Our hearts will be full because of him. I'll leave you with that. I love being back with you guys. I'm excited to share some thoughts on true biblical womanhood next time. And just the challenges that's made for me and the growth that I've seen because of it. So until next time, keep searching.
If you enjoyed this podcast, I would love to have you join me over on my website at christylynnwood.com. For more content, free resources, and opportunities to connect with a community of people who are looking for the real God.